0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Today's edition of Trip Talk is brought to you by our good friends at Sabre. Did you know that there are 38,000 carjackings and 6 million car accidents occurring each year in the U.S.? Now you can protect yourself and your family with Sabre's new Safe Escape automotive tool. The only three-in-one car tool of its kind. The Safe Escape features a seatbelt cutter, a stainless steel glass breaker, and Sabre's maximum strength pepper gel. Protect yourself and your family with the new Safe Escape from Sabre. Available now on SabreRed.com. That's S-A-B r-E-R-E-D.com. Use the offer code American Road to receive 20% off your purchase. Welcome. We are so happy to have you with us for the latest edition of American Roads Trip Talk. Today I am joined by the well-traveled Suzanne Mitchell as she and I discuss among other things, a road trip that we took from Sarasota, Florida to Seattle, Washington, going diagonally across the United States back in the summer of 2017. It was an extraordinary time, and we saw a lot, heard a lot, met a lot of fine people, and in the process, learned a lot about America and about ourselves as road travelers. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gary. I don't know that it would rate an article in American Road magazine, the spring issue of which for 2019 is coming up here in just a few weeks. It'll be in April. So be looking for it at your local bookstore, wherever you find magazines. It's certainly worth a subscription. American Road is a great chronicle of road travel in the United States. But even if we don't make it between the covers of that fine magazine, you and I, Suzanne, learn so much about being together on the road for how many days was it 71 days (laughs) that's right 71 days together in our suv motoring from sarasota to to seattle and in between we went north and spent some time in chicago and we were in the plains states and along the northern tier as well and that was an adventure
1: we were taking interstate 90 between chicago and seattle but it wasn't until we got off the interstate that we saw some of the most interesting things uh, in in that upper tier of, of states. And we, we got to see quite a bit of what we wanted to see. We planned ahead of time to make certain stops. We did. And I remember that
0: whenever, I, of course, whenever I get to Chicago, I absolutely want to go downtown. It's Chicago land, this gigantic sprawl in the Midwest, close by Lake Michigan, but also There are things that you want to see that aren't necessarily downtown, though I would note that right there between the canyon walls of Chicago, the windy, windy streets of Chicago, you have the very beginning of the Mother Road, Route 66. But there are so many urban landscapes there, so many world-class activities and things to do in Chicago. Beyond that, Suzanne and I like to look for the -the out-of-the-way places.
1: And on this particular trip, we were really targeting national parks and monuments and things that you would see on a National Geographic or Smithsonian or one of those travel stations.
0: It was really amazing to see all of those sites and to meet the people who are quite comfortable in that environment. When you get to small town America, you know, you find that the needs and the aspirations of people. of the time are the same as your own. You want to live what you consider to be the good life. You want good friends. You want to eat well. You want to have some places to go to. It seems to me it gets down to logistics and planning, and that's one of the themes of today's episode of Trip Talk, the idea that when you have that golden road trip of the mind, you can do it conceptually before you do it actually, before the rubber hits the road. And in doing so, it does take some sense of logistics, but it also seems to me, Suzanne, that we needed, in the case of yourself and myself back in 2017, I had it in mind like I've got to pack enough, I've, I've got to make sure that I'm going to have enough shirts and T-shirts, and how about shorts for warm weather, et cetera, et cetera. And I found myself needing less than I actually packed, and yet Many of our fine experiences on that trip came totally unexpectedly.
1: Well, you're right about the overpacking. When you're planning (laughs) a long trip the way we did, what we found was that we ended up doing laundry approximately once a week, mostly because, you know, we wanted to have all-new clean underwear. But with the rest of it, we didn't need to be washing that often, and so I think we could have done with many, many fewer clothes. Plus, when you go to some of these sites, you want to get a T-shirt or you want to get something commemorative from where you are. So I think in our next road trip, we're going to have many fewer clothes that we're going to take with us.
0: And maybe several more T-shirts that I wish I had purchased. Let me give you an example. We went to, the, to America's first national monument. And in case you were wondering, that's Devil's Tower in Wyoming. It was famous long before its association with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and it certainly made our bucket list. So when Suzanne Mitchell and I decided that we were going to make that trip from Sarasota to Seattle by way of Chicago and heading along the northern tier of states and then getting into Wyoming and Montana, we knew that we wanted to see Devil's Tower and we knew that we wanted to get finally to Yellowstone, which had always been rather a distant dream for me. Honestly, I wasn't really sure I'd ever get there, but I really needed to go see Devil's Tower. And we made that trip. And I can still remember in the souvenir shop, and as you know, Suzanne, I'm kind of a souvenir hound. I went into the gift shop, and there was a T-shirt there. Remember, this, is, this place is associated with close encounters. Aliens were on the T-shirt, and they were saying, please send more tourists. The last ones tasted delicious. They're not- and I thought, well, there are only so many places you can wear that. So I let it go. But there we were, and we'll get to Yellowstone in a moment. What it's beyond extraordinary. But this too was a magnificent experience going to Devil's Tower in Wyoming. You see it miles and miles before you actually get there. And then you are at America's first national monument. So we were there and we took lots of pictures, drove around, found a good parking spot. And then you and I had a bright idea. We need some exercise. We haven't been stretching our legs enough. Let's go ahead and and take the dare. Let's walk around Devil's Tower because there is a paved and somewhat dirt path that goes around the circumference of the tower
1: there were two trails and one was considered the shorter trail and the other was the longer trail and as we looked at it we determined we would do the shorter one rather than a a a larger circle it's the tighter circle around the base of devil's tower and when we saw that it was approximately a mile and a half long I said, well, we should be able to do that in under 30 minutes. Easy. Easy. And because of the way that trail was laid out, it was well over an hour before we got through that. But a lot of beautiful things along the way, including some people rappelling from the top of the tower on one side, And people were just standing around and watching the rappellers.
0: And not everybody could see them that easily, including me, so that a passerby asked me if I saw them. And I said, no, people are reacting, but I can't really see them. And so she pointed up there to this uh, interstitial opening there going up vertically up. Devil's Tower and there I saw them like ants, like climbing ants there. And I'm going, my God, that human beings would take that chance there, but they sure seemed like they knew what they were doing. Meanwhile, Suzanne Mitchell and I are walking around. I was doing more huffing and puffing than you. I think I needed to hit the bicycle before we started our road trip. I would have been better off there. But there's a a grade. It's not just a flat walk around the circumference of a gigantic cone sticking out of the ground. You're actually rising at a not a very difficult grade, but you are rising. You're putting in, you're going against increasing resistance. And when we did that, more than once I stopped at a convenient bench just to have a puff. Uh, okay. And then we continued. So that helped. And there was one other thing about that hike that I thought I should mention before we get off of this subject. And that is, There is a sacredness to Devil's Tower. The tribal people there, the Native Americans in that area, will go there with a sacred purpose in mind. And do you remember what you saw in the trees?
1: Uh, Ribbons, I believe.
0: Yes. Yeah, ribbons. And they were ribbons with perhaps a, a devoted memory of a loved one, or it could have been a sacred purpose individual to them. And they honored it by performing whatever ritual, I didn't see one in progress, but I did see the effects of it. There were these ribbons in many places around the the base of Devil's Tower, like a red ribbon, and you'd see it tied to a tree, and I just didn't even think of touching it. I took a few pictures, but I didn't want to touch it because that was sacred to the individual that put it there. It was a moving experience. and with some gorgeous scenery and friendly people around. It was a crowded day.
1: Yes, it was. In fact, most of the places we went to were pretty crowded in the summertime. That's when the national parks seem to have the most visitors when children are out of school. And so a lot of the places that we went to that summer were quite busy and not always easy to find a parking space.
0: No, your patience will be rewarded many times when you take a cross-country road trip. That was one of the things that I learned as we went from state to state. We have more to talk about, including our visit. September 1, 2017, we rolled through the entrance at the ranger station there, one of them, at Yellowstone National Park, and that began an odyssey. I'm sorry we couldn't have stayed two or three times as long, but we made the most of what time we had in that absolutely stunningly magnificent place on the globe it it really is a world heritage when you're there you get that strong impression that it's it cannot be completely or adequately explained once you've been there and i doubt there's any human being that's seen it all it's that large more about that in just a moment but i wanted to say this on behalf of our sponsor saber There's a question to be asked as you plan a road trip. Did you know that there are 38,000 carjackings and 6 million car accidents that occur each year in the U.S.? Now you can protect yourself and your family with Sabre's new safe escape automotive tool. Sabre, the number one pepper spray brand trusted by police worldwide, offers the only three-in-one car tool of its kind. The Safe Escape features a seatbelt cutter to slice through malfunctioning seatbelts in seconds, a stainless steel glass breaker for speedy escape, and Sabre's Maximum Strength Pepper Gel with a range of up to 12 feet and 25 bursts per canister. That's one safety tool that helps you escape to safety after a serious accident and helps protect you against dangerous threats you may encounter while driving or walking to or from your vehicle. It's available right now at saberred.com. That's S-A-B-R-E-R-E-D.com. Use the offer code AmericanRoad to receive 20% off your purchase. Welcome back to American Roads Trip Talk. I'm Gary Manson. and I'm talking to the very well-traveled Suzanne Mitchell, who went with me in 2017, summer of 2017, on a road trip from Sarasota, Florida. to Seattle, Chicago in between, and national parks as well. Suzanne has made it one of her life goals now that she has a lot more free time. To get to as many national parks as possible well if you're going to do that you have to go to america's first national park and of course i'm talking about yellowstone Before we took our commercial break, Susanna, I said that I don't think that there's any human who can claim to have seen the entire park. It's that vast. When you go there, as we did, we found ourselves really with a kind of crisis of choice. We had to decide, okay, is it going to be Mammoth Hot Springs? No, not this time. We have to go much deeper into the park to get to our evening's destination. And we had to be pretty selective about the places where we stopped
1: what surprised me the most was we came in from the north through the gardener entrance and when we when we entered we were we had dinner reservations we had a a room reservation inside the park for a couple of nights and so i said to the gentleman at the guardhouse um, we have reservations we have dinner and we're going to whatever that name of that look grant grant lodge grant and, village grant village And he said, is it going to be easy to find? And he said, oh, yes, just take this road down for the next 78 miles. Say what? And that was jaw-dropping. The park is that big. The whole territory of Yellowstone actually encompasses four states in that region, but then the park itself is in the corner like a postage stamp. But it does spread out even from there with um, just vast, vast tracts of land. It's
0: made, The bulk of the park is in the state of Wyoming.
1: We were lucky to make it to dinner because yes. it took so long to get drive that 78 miles from the entrance in the north This all isn't the way
0: 78 out. miles you're talking about where you can go 60 miles an hour No,
1: this is two lane road and most of it was about 30 miles an hour on the way we saw a wolf in the road and um, several other wild animals. And then the cars would all slow down to look at the animals. So there was no going fast to get where we were going.
0: I remember a little traffic jam. I couldn't see what was ahead. I was doing the driving. So I didn't get to see that wolf to which Suzanne refers. Lucky her, I had to keep my eyes on the road. That's one of the things you have to do. You Somebody's gonna drive and somebody's going to observe. And that's just how it is when you're two people traveling. So we went through at uh, not a snail's pace but slow enough and there was plenty of traffic that time of year it was it was the last of the tourist season because we came into the park on september one and lo and behold there are all these cars and people getting out and taking pictures and i said to suzanne pictures of what i've got to find out what this is so i just put it in park got out of the car and what did i see except a bison a large adult apparently a male adult bison that for all intents and purposes, was hitchhiking along the side of the road, just ambling along, taking its time, and people were taking pictures. And I thought what they say about Yellowstone is true. With all this magnificent wildlife, you're in their home. They get first priority. You yield to them. Look all you want to, certainly don't touch, And don't accost them in any way. But if you want to take pictures and just watch all of this magnificence unfold in real time, that's what you get driving the roads of Yellowstone.
1: The ranger at the entry said, remember, you are the visitor and they are the ones who live here. Yes, this is their home.
0: Right. Right. I also remember a funny story to me anyway they're they're smart it's smart policy for them to have a film about when you encounter bears particularly grizzly bears you it's best if you have some kind of pepper spray, uh, bear spray, it's bear spray, and there's a certain way that you have to spray it, you carry it, you hold it, you flip the top back, they gave you this little instruction while you're waiting to eat in a restaurant, for example, and they're saying you hold it at this angle and spray it down in the ground in front of the bear, and I'm thinking, you know, I would be getting digested by the time I mastered all the details of this. You kind of have to know in advance what you're doing with this bear spray. But most of the way at, at the major attractions, even in the, the shops around Old Faithful, for example, I mean, there was information about this. They want you to know that there are dangers in Yellowstone that cannot be minimized.
1: It, it's definitely wild. And I learned so much being there. One of the things that I was only vaguely aware of, but became very, very clear about was just the fact that Yellowstone is on top of a super volcano, the largest volcano in the North American continent. And a super volcano. A super volcano. And so where it shows up in its beauty. Is in the the uh, the lava bubbling to the surface yes and you get to see the, the, the different colors of the extremophiles who actually live in that boiling atmosphere and at the same time though nothing is expected to occur in the near future they said, you know, if that volcano ever got, it, it is active, but if it actually really blew, that it would probably take out about half the country. I mean, that that's it's stunning when you're there and you realize that that's what you're on top of.
0: And you made mention of these creatures that live in that in thermal environment.
1: The extremophiles, they, uh, they're they found that there were actually a type of life form that does exist in the boiling water, which they didn't think was possible. But when you have like extremophiles together, they create a color, and that's what creates the yellow, the orange, the blue, the green, the pink that is all around these hot lava beds.
0: And if you look at it in terms of a a flat scenery, it's like... In a manner of speaking, it's rather concentric because you see this riot of color like something from a science fiction movie. And it's in strata so that you'll have this shade of yellow and the shade of green working its way around this gigantic thermal pool and then a very convenient walking ramp, a trail around it that keeps you safe because you do not want to be tumbling over the railing into any part of that environment. You probably wouldn't live to tell the tale.
1: No, you wouldn't. It, it, they say that the, the temperature there is about 2,000 degrees in some places. And they say if you stepped on it, you would burn the bottom of your shoes right off your feet. So they say, you must stay on the walkway to stay safe. And what was kind of humorous is on these walkways, when the wind would suddenly pick up, people would end up losing a hat or a scarf or some object into these hot lava beds, and there's just no way to retrieve them.
0: They're sitting right on top of these hats, and I saw a few of them and took pictures because I just thought it was human interest there one lovely bonnet that was there right on top of mud which you wouldn't go near and it was just resting there And it was almost like it created the impression of someone standing underneath it wearing it <laughs> and i thought this is an amazing place and old faithful itself which isn't as faithful as it used to be
1: no i think it used to uh, erupt more frequently, like every 20 minutes or something like that. And now it it erupts irregularly between about 40 minutes and an hour and a half. So people will go and get their seats and then just wait and wait and wait for Old Faithful to erupt. But in the meantime, there are other geysers that are erupting out there. So you're waiting for the big one, but there are a lot of others that are occurring and plenty to see and walk around and do Uh, in that general vicinity
0: that's true it's actually a field of geysers yes and I remember being a particularly warm day so I was looking for some shade but then when it started to spurt you could tell it was building towards its next eruption then I thought okay here we go and the crowds all getting excited and people are, are shooting their video and they're taking their selfies I don't know how they did it back in the 50s and 60s when these things weren't available, but this was a 21st century experience of Old Faithful, to be sure.
1: I took a video as well with my phone.
0: (laughs) Make sure you keep that one. In the remaining time that we have, it's nice to reminisce about a road trip I hope that you're planning one of your own I think everybody should do that at least once in their life there are people who make road travel such as you can see described in glorious detail with some lush beautiful photography in every issue of American Road magazine be sure to look for the spring issue spring 2019 it's coming up in April And if they don't have it where you buy your magazines, you might ask them to start carrying it. It's a wonderful quarterly periodical. And it does cover the national parks and a lot of the the highways, of course, and the byways and the roadside attractions. That brings me to one last point, Suzanne, and that is the way we were surprised from time to time, feeling tired, needing to get gas, needing to get food, and maybe a place to sleep on our way, because this was a 71-day round-trip road trip. I remember being pleasantly surprised by a town that ordinarily I would just drive right past, not think anything of it, and that is Mitchell, South Dakota. A lot of people have been there. A lot of people have been to Mitchell, South Dakota if they drive across the country. I'm sure truckers have many a tale, but I found that to be a place, small town, There it is the home of the 1972 Democratic presidential nominee, George McGovern, the famous Senator George McGovern. There is a museum there devoted to his life and career and that of his wife. And uh, you you realize that these were great Americans, the McGoverns. And you even go into uh, the campus. It's located in the library of Dakota Wesleyan University. And you can sit in a couple of seats that were on the campaign plane
1: they actually put part of the plane inside the museum so you could sit in the seats and have the table in front of you and look at a video of what his campaign was like. The other thing I enjoyed in Mitchell was going to the Corn Palace. Of course, the number one attraction. The number one attraction, and on the outside of the Corn Palace, they put a new facade up every year, which is made out of corn husks that are colored, and they depict a scene changes every year
0: i I loved it for the architecture it was unique and we were happy to take the tour but it's also great when you stop at places like these where you get some interpretation from people who give you a sense of the history in this case it was plains history it was it was being on the prairie and having a sense of what the pioneers went through and i thought at the corn palace that was particularly well illustrated in a very artistic way
1: It was a a vast room inside the Corn Palace in addition to being able to get food. There were concessions there. They had a lovely gift shop, and all of the walls on the inside also had the same corn husk pictures, which was depicting different things about living in that area in South Dakota.
0: So when you make the great American road trip your style, doing it your way, you find that there are the magnificent places to go that everybody's heard of. But some of the out-of-the-way places, the, the highways and byways, lead to roadside attractions and even entire little towns with a character of their own that are quite hospitable, quite inviting, and worth at least a night's stay. Yes, And you can do it for 71 days. You can do it shorter than that. We were taking our time. In fact, we had to hold off because it was a matter of uh, Irma coming through. We had to wait to come back home from Chicago until we made sure that we could get gasoline for the trip back down.
1: We did cut it short because of the hurricane. And luckily, everything was okay at our house.
0: Suzanne Mitchell, thank you for reminiscing along with me. 71 days in 2017 when we made our own version of the Great American Road Trip. Wouldn't mind doing it again, and I hope others will plan likewise. Again, coming up, the spring issue, spring 29 of American Road Magazine. Look for that at your local newsstand. Thank you once again, Suzanne Mitchell. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue and the next issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.